Hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, everybody. How's it going, Randy? Ah, it's going all right. Uh, you know, just watched uh, episode three of our show here. Episode Star Trek Voyager. Four. Well, episode four. Sorry. I'm going off of Netflix. I'm yeah. watching it on Netflix. I guess for them it's episode three because Caretaker is parts mm-hmm. one and two are one episode to them, but. We're calling. Sorry, that's right. We're going by Memory Alpha, right? Yeah. Okay. The Star Trek Wiki. Episode so, four. Okay. Time Get and it again. Right, Randy. Episode <laughs> four. Time Regardless, and again. It, you saw Time and Again, I assume. Yes. You didn't watched... rewatch Parallax. <laughs> Thankfully not. I didn't get caught in a quantum singularity and rewatch. <laughs> Although uh, I kind of, in a way, felt like I was rewatching uh, Parallax when I watched this episode. For yeah, some reason, yeah. I, which mean, I we'll think t- we'll talk about. I'm sure we'll talk about more. But yeah, it's pretty weird the order they did these shows in. Yeah, it definitely seems kind of random, and maybe that's in keeping with this whole time travel motif. Um, this one was written by David Kemper. This is the only Voyager episode that he wrote. Um, and co-creator of the series, uh, David Pillar, and was directed by Les Landau, who, uh, was a pretty prolific director of Trek. Um, he directed episodes of TNG, uh, Voyager DS9, and at least one episode of Enterprise. Um, and there's no star date on this episode, which is kind of weird. It starts out and they kind of forgot. Like, Janeway isn't keeping a captain's log, apparently. She's she's doing things her way. Well, it doesn't open on Janeway. It uh, right, opens right. on Tom Paris. Uh, I, just to get this out of the way, though, original air date for this episode, January 30th, 1995. Wow. So we're at least halfway through the 90s now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, like I said, it opens on Paris. He's... Uh, He's trying to convince Harry Kim, straight-laced Harry Kim, mm-hmm. to go on a double date. But Harry Kim's like, no, nah, I got a girl back at home. Um, I don't I don't right. need to go on any dates on Voyager. Right. He's being, like, this optimist. Like, we're going to get home. I'm going to see my girl again. So, I'm sorry, Tom, but I've got work to do. Right. I can't hear any of this double date nonsense. But Paris is being, you know, is the pragmatist. And he's saying, well, you know, well, we got... To do something. Paris, I mean, as has been established in the first two few episodes, he's a Lothario. He's, mm-hmm. he says, Oh, I got five girls back at home. Which right. I'm like, Weren't you in prison? From oh, yeah, that's right. He's been in that penal colony in Australia or whatever. In New Zealand, yeah. New Zealand, sorry. Sorry, Australian listeners. But he's apparently got five girls in prison, so there you go. Uh, then Voyager gets hit by a shockwave. More shaky cam goodness. So wait, is this the second episode in a row now? Well, there have been shaky, and there's been shaky in every episode, but they've been hit by a shockwave. Like, <laughs> multi- like every episode, it's this running. I'm gonna keep track of this. Well, shockwave you, you should also keep track of how many time travel episodes there are. <sighs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, they're hit by a shockwave. Um, for some reason, Janeway and Neelix were in Janeway's ready room. Mm. And they just appear <laughs> on the bridge okay. together. Out of her. I didn't. Good good observation, because I didn't notice that they came out of. Uh, was, Neelix, what are you doing? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. He's on the bridge later. We can talk about it later, but he's on the bridge, so. Yeah, he. 
it's cool, whatever. Uh, yeah, and then Kess wakes up, and uh, she has, seems to have had some sort of bad dream, some sort of vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Voyager's like, we gotta find out where the shockwave originated from. Mm-hmm. And Kess is like, she goes up to the bridge, and she's like, oh, no, I had visions. Mm-hmm. Um, Voyager finds the or the origin of the shockwave. It's a planet, a Class M planet, mm-hmm. uh, that has no life on it. Mm-hmm. It has signs of a civilization, but there's no life. Right. So something has obviously happened. They also point out uh, that it doesn't have any sort of satellites in orbit or any signs of spacecraft. So they think it's a pre-warp civilization. Correct. Or at least maybe I don't know. Maybe the ships and the satellites were destroyed. Oh, that's yeah, that's possible too. So they shouldn't jump to these conclusions. <laughs> you gotta be like Tuvok and just look at the facts. Right, right, right. I've gotta get my Vulcan side out. Um, speaking of Tuvok, Janeway, Paris, and Torres are form an away team. Because mm-hmm. you know the captain's always on an away team. I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know, we've mentioned this a couple times now in in like basically episodes one and two of, of Trek Trek that uh, Janeway is kind of does everything and she's there for everything. And it got me thinking that on next generation, like Picard isn't on the way teams very often. No, like, he it, all, he always sends Riker. Right. They always make a big deal. Of whenever Picard actually goes down to a planet, it's kind of a big deal. He always sends his first officer and, you know, like someone like Worf and some red shirts. Yeah. It's like Worf data, Riker and a red shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in the original series, Kirk went on a lot of away missions. Yeah, yeah. So maybe she's the, the new Kirk. Yeah, maybe. Or Tom Paris is the new Kirk. <laughs> well, they're definitely trying to make Tom Paris the new Kirk. Um, so they go down. They find just a totally demolished city. Um, and then the opening credits kick in. When we come back from the credits... Uh, they find that this this city was powered by something called polaric ion energy, which they say is quote a time bomb. It's a really okay. really waiting unsta- to happen. Really unstable energy source and uh, can cause massive damage, which is obviously what happened to this civilization. Mm-hmm. So that I'm guessing from that 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 at least the Federation or Starfleet itself or Earth has some experience with trying to use polaric energy or they've come across places before that have had this happen mm-hmm. and just decided, Oh, it's not a good idea. I kind of, I kind of wonder with what's to come. Um, there is a bit, I mean, we'll, we'll probably talk a lot about it more, uh, in a little bit, but this idea that there's a little bit of a, uh, an, an analogy to, um, nuclear power here. Yes, absolutely. So, um, so, Kess had the visions. We find out that the Okampa have some sort of mental powers, um, which mm-hmm. Neelix doesn't really believe, but Kess is like, well, the, the Okampa had powers in the past, so maybe they have powers now or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Paris finds a clock in the rubble, so he knows when the explosion happened. Then he suddenly hears and sees the city. Like alive, um, right? They, he sees people walking around. Yeah, he he hears the bustling city. He sees 
like the structures are all like normal, not blown up. And uh, there are people walking around and he's like, what's going on? And uh, it turns out there are subspace fractures all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these subspace fractures are pulling or pulled Paris out of time. And then it turns out that it pulls Janeway too. And that both Janeway and Paris end up, uh, you know, like a day before the events of uh, the destruction. Right. So they're, they're kind of just suddenly appear mm-hmm. in front of all of these people. Yeah. And one kid in particular is like, <laughs> they're demons. <laughs> his, his, his initial reaction. Well, I guess that goes with the idea that if they are kind of a pre warp civilization, they haven't seen people materialize out of thin air in a transporter. Right. So to him, it's kind of demonic or magical or mm-hmm. something. Mm hmm. But this kid, man, we'll talk some more about this kid. <laughs> this kid, he won't let it go. He's <laughs> just like, they're demons. I know they're demons. Well, we kind of find out. They kind of try to give us an idea of why he's so relentless in his pursuit of <laughs> the truth a little later. Uh, yeah. Um, so this planet's inhabited by basically humans. They don't even look alien at all, other than their fashion. Um... Janeway and Paris, they're, I made a note here, they're amazing improvisers. They just effortlessly come up with some story as to why they're there. Oh, and they're both on the same page with it, too. Yeah, they say like, that they're from another. They say they're from another... Um, like, province or something. Province. Yeah, that, that I guess they pay... I, I'm guessing they listen to the people around them and just sort of put together a story on the spot. They also change their clothes. Yes, they turn their clothes in to blend in with the populace. So did they... That's that something that, that that I wondered about. Did they go into a store and buy yeah, they, clothes? It was like, how did they buy them? It was like a them? pawn shop, because you can see people admiring oh. their uniform in the window. Oh, you see, yeah, see, I totally missed that. So they basically traded their cool Starfleet uniforms for the local, like, kind of tie-dye-ish <laughs> <laughs> threads. Right. But they keep their communicator pens. <laughs> well, you gotta have those. I mean, right. she's she's gotta release the subspace frequency so that the crew can find them. Right, okay, okay. But, yeah, I mean, I was just amazed by how great Janeway and Paris were at just, you know, convincing these people that, oh, they're all totally normal. Yeah, what was this kid talking about? He says we're demons? I know, they just totally throw that kid under the bus. They're just like, <laughs> that well, kid is you... crazy. <laughs> and do you remember the, there's a line that Paris has uh, where he talks about uh, eating children? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I'm a demon and I eat children. And then he scares the kid. <laughs> the kid runs away. Like, oh, I don't know. Does this violate the Prime Directive? <laughs> well, speaking of the Prime Directive, uh, they they figure out that they're back in time and mm-hmm. Paris is like we should warn them about right. what's going to happen and Janeway we have a chance to save them kind Janeway's of. like nope we can't interfere okay this time she can't interfere right they didn't have any problems last episode because they never encountered anyone else <laughs> but we have a precedent here so far that at least the one time we've seen her in action Janeway violates the prime directive <laughs> in the pilot that, yeah um meanwhile uh, Kim, Torres, Tuvok, and Chakotay are trying to come up with some device to get Janeway and Paris back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kess is being examined by the doctor. 
Ah, yes. Great scene with the doctor again. He feels slighted. He's like, nobody keeps me in the loop. <laughs> right. He asks them about uh, where their uh, medical records are, I think. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, anyone who transfers to the ship, you know, you're supposed to have your medical records transferred over. And they say, oh, well, we showed up mid-voyage. I think that's what uh, Neelix says. Something like we showed up mid-mission or mid-voyage or something. Uh, and, yeah, the doctor's just not surprised, basically, at this point. So uh, I think it's interesting that he, you know, he retains. So he's self-aware. Uh, as far as we can tell, he retains memories from between sessions. Um, and so it's just still really odd that, that he gets switched off and people treat him so poorly. But I guess it's, this is going to be nothing new. We're going to see probably a lot of the doctor being treated as a non person for at least, I'm guessing the first season. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the only one who treats him as human is Kess. Right. Kess is like, you know, she's, she's a, like, caretaker kind of yeah she's very she's kind of like the new caretaker but she's also uh very well we're finding out she's very empathic Mm -hmm. um not not like a beta zoid no but it almost i almost get this sense like she's a bit of maybe trying to fill a similar role someone who can kind of have empathic capabilities or at least some sort of i don't know i guess we'll find out as we watch more yeah, uh, I'm yeah, putting could, this back together after like 20 years. So. Yeah, I, I could see that. I can see her trying to fill, or her character meant to fill that Deanna Troy role. Mm. Um, so Paris wants to use Polaric energy to get back to their time. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go to the Polaric energy plant, and right. there are a bunch of protesters outside. Right. Oh, and I noted that this is kind of interesting. They were actually on. I, I think they they do that uh, this sometimes during the the series, from what I can recall of future episodes. But they actually were on location somewhere. They weren't on a set. Yes, they were on an outdoor location. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Then Janeway and Paris get caught up in the scuffle. Uh, Janeway gets hit, and uh, pa- uh, Paris and Janeway are brought to the protesters' headquarters. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Cass wants to go down to the planet. Taurus and Kim made some devices to, you know, spot the subspace fractures. and Right, because they don't want to get pulled into one either. Right. So they have a way to inhibit the, um, the polaric energy. So they don't get pulled through a rupture themselves, or a fracture, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. Let's see, Janeway gets patched up, and then it turns out these protesters are basically kind of eco-terrorists. Yeah, I, I, and I had, like, Space Greenpeace on my notes. Yeah, they're, um, they're really anti-polaric energy to such a degree <laughs> that they're willing to do something extreme. They never say what, but... Yeah, there's something about an injector or particle injector. Like, maybe they're going to try to sabotage the plant so it doesn't work anymore. That's kind of what I was getting out of that. But maybe I was just reading too much into it. No, no. I, yeah, I was getting something similar. But I don't think they ever say what they were actually going no. to do. No, they don't. Um, but they, yeah, they're kind of these these space activists. And, again, we have this kind of parallel being drawn to you know anti-nuclear power activism mm-hmm. um, for what it's worth 
And I, they don't go, they don't go super deep. They don't make me question whether or not, you know, nuclear power is safe to use or anything. But polaric energy, whoa. Whoa. Amen. <laughs> I'm never, I'm gonna, if that ever gets proposed, I'm gonna be the first in line to protest it after <laughs> seeing this episode. Yeah, that's, that's dangerous stuff. Um, so the kid from before has been following Janeway in Paris. He gets spotted and caught by these, <laughs> this activist group. Um, meanwhile, on the planet in the future, Kim finds the destroyed com badges. Mm. Yeah, so it's not looking good for uh, Paris and, and Janeway. Yeah. Obviously, they were caught in the explosion that destroyed the planet. Mm-hmm. Um, the anti-Polaric activists are saying, we got to move up our timetable. We've got to do it now instead of a week from now. Right. What, That's right. They originally were planning to do it later. And Janeway is like, oh, crap. Did our appearance cause this problem? Are mm-hmm. we the ones who, you know, caused this to happen? Well, they clearly caused it to happen at the time that it happens. Or they caused it to happen sooner. So it, as it stands to reason. Right. Um, so Janeway is like, screw the Prime Directive. I'm going to tell them exactly who I am, what I'm doing here. <laughs> she was basically too late. We've already violated the Prime Directive. <laughs> So I'm going to violate it some more. Right. She's going to fully violate the prime directive. If you're going to do it, you do it all the way. Right? <laughs> exactly. So she's like, I'm Captain Catherine Janeway of Starship. And they're like, Starships? What are you talking about? You're crazy. Right. Because they don't have Starships of their own. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've come here from somewhere else in outer space. Sure. You're from the future. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. So the activists go back to the power plant. Uh, the, uh, some shooting ensues. Uh, Paris takes a bullet for the kid. Now the kid trusts Paris. Right. And I was trying to figure out, are they bullets or are they phasers? Well, I guess they're supposed to be blasters of some sort. Something. But like, I couldn't really tell. But their almost... guns are like regular handguns. Yeah, it was almost like they made some sort of shooting sound effect, but they didn't really show what they were shooting so maybe it was just to save a little money i don't know yeah i mean a lot of this is kind of save money because they didn't have any real aliens they all look yeah, human just people in costumes yeah or i mean not even people in costumes i mean so they didn't have makeup. people in outfits yeah they had no makeup so whatever so, uh so paris is down kid is reveals to paris that he's his dad's a journalist, and the kid fancies himself a journalist, and mm-hmm. that's why he was following them. And uh, uh, Janeway chases out the protesters. <laughs> right. I was just, I was just remembering when the kid reveals to Paris that his dad is a journalist and that he's a journalist for his school paper. He says, "Oh, and that's where everyone's going to find out about you guys. You're gonna, <laughs> they're going to find out that you're weird demon." outlander people when i write about it in my school paper <laughs> he's yeah. he's a kid he's right. a kid i i know it's just like well i'm not surprised that janeway and paris don't take this kid seriously when he's you know pl- threatening to out them in his school paper <laughs> i gotta say this kid oh the I don't know if it was the actor or just the way he was written, but he was so annoying. He was. I tried to look him up and see uh, who he was and, like, you know, where is he now kind of thing, and I couldn't find anything. But, um, yeah, he kind of he kind of bugged me. But, yeah. anyways. I mean, he was just coming off, so whatever. Anyway, Janeway chases after the activists. Um, then 
Kess senses that the origin of the explosion was at the power plant. Mm-hmm. So Conveniently. The, so they're like, senses it. we're, we're going to use our device at the power plant and th- then somehow we'll rescue Jane Wayne Paris. Mm-hmm. Um, so they activate the device and Jane Wayne's like, oh crap, it's the device. The device caused the explosion. Right. Because they're in, there's like a big, um, power conduit in the hallway where they're at. Right. And mm-hmm. it, it starts to disrupt the, the field that they, they're generating from the future is going to somehow intersect with the power conduit and cause an explosion. Right. right. So mm-hmm. Jane Wayne uses her phaser to close the hole. Yeah. Uh, and in the future, they're like, what's going on? You know, <laughs> we don't get it. Why is the, why is this not working? And there's, there's this thing where it's like, it only will only run for 30 seconds and it will burn itself out. Mm-hmm. And then once you've used it in one location, you can't use it there again. Right. It closes all the subspace fractures in that area. In the whole area. Right. I kind of got this sense of, wait, you mean, what if you move it like two inches to the right? <laughs> Can you use it again? No, they had to up the stakes that they have right, to right. rescue. They only have a certain window in which to rescue the Janeway mm-hmm. and Paris. Mm-hmm. So she uses her phaser. Uh, there's a huge flash of light explosion mm. of some sort. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, Uh-oh. is everyone dead? Yeah, series over. <laughs> there, there you go. Wow, this it's been great, folks. Uh, you know, this is one of the shorter podcasts that we've worked on, but uh, yeah, three episodes, not bad. <laughs> oh uh, no, it turns out everything reset. Ah, uh, somehow. Yeah, it never happened, and but they were thrown back to. The beginning of the episode? <laughs> yep. The back to the beginning episode where Tom Ferris is trying to convince Harry Kim to go on a double date. I feel like we've been here before. What did we say <laughs> earlier? It'd be great if we just repeated exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Another time travel episode. Oh. Uh-huh. Anyway. Uh, they so looped right back around. They looped right back around. Cass is like, oh, no, the explosion. And then everyone's like, you're crazy. Nothing happened. We're going to go examine this planet. Nope. Everything's fine. The people are fine. They're pre-warped. Oh, right. They're pre-warped civilization. We're not going to interfere with them. Uh-huh. Uh, we're just going to fly off. Prime directive. So speaking of the prime directive, I've got to bring this up. How convenient is it that everything reset and they never had to violate the prime directive? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not that there's, not that there's, uh, um, uh, Starfleet in this sector to even, or this quadrant of space to even, uh, you know, get mad at them for violating the Prime Directive. I mean, I've got to commend them for sticking with it, even though they're, like, 75 years from home. But, I mean, I just found it was a convenient little wipe of the slate. Yeah. Uh, to to basically say they never, uh, never violated any, you know, <laughs> in, most important rule of Star Trek kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like they didn't know how to end it, so they're just like, oh, it just reset and everything's mm-hmm. fine. It never happened. Yeah. So. Uh, which means, I guess, they skipped out on the Paris Janeway bonding because Janeway was like, oh, your father was used to always say this and this. And- mm hmm. So, so the audience got to see some of the audience got to see that and they kind of had some more bonding. But then if it gets rebooted, then they never really had that. So. Right. Technically, I guess we have to have more Paris Janeway bonding, which I'm I, sure we will. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, yeah, this is so weird. I don't know why they did another time travel episode right after another time loop episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, this one definitely had, there was more going on. 
that we talked last episode about how uh, Parallax was a bottle episode and, you know, there are no effects shots, really. Uh, there are no aliens. There are no guest stars. There, there's no beaming down, away teams, anything. And so, you know, I would have to say I would have preferred this episode if we kind of, you know, if we put both time travel paradox episodes up against each other, I would go with this episode because it actually had a little, it was a little more Star Trek-like. Uh, in that they went down to a planet, they encountered, you know, even though they were totally humanoid, they encountered another alien uh, race. So, yeah, I mean, there was definitely more going on. Uh, mm-hmm. There was they had to weigh the prime directive and whether they act or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was definitely more character development. Well, uh, in terms of character interaction. But right. there's no actual development because it all got reset. But right, you know. so it was almost like the the previous episode. They just needed some reason to promote uh, Bellana to uh, the chief engineer position. So it was kind of that was the whole purpose of that previous episode. Right. Whereas this one, it didn't really focus on any one character in particular. I thought when it first started out that it was going to focus entirely on Kess or, you know, focus primarily on Kess. And I was a little like, Ooh, I don't know <laughs> about this, you know, because it was a little painful, like her whole, Oh, these visions. Oh, this is, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm actually a little surprised that it didn't develop Kess more. Mm-hmm. Uh, they basically said, Oh, I'm having these visions. The doctor's like, well, that could just be how your people react when they're in space. Mm-hmm. You have a beautiful brain. Yeah. It'll make a fine addition to, <laughs> to our uh, our database. And then he tells her to drink lots of fluids. Everyone should drink plenty of fluids. <laughs> uh, he continues to be one of my absolute favorite parts of the show. Yeah, anytime the doctor's on, it's, it's good <laughs> good stuff. But uh-huh. uh, I don't know. The rest of this episode uh, didn't speak to me. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I was... I wouldn't, it does not rank up there. I mean... I've got to say, so far, Voyager, it definitely has to me, and I, I'm hoping this is the case, is that kind of, because, you know, the first season of Next Generation was kind of womp womp. Uh, yeah, you know, so kind of, I mean, yeah. first season of DS9 was not very good. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm guessing that they're just kind of trying to feel things out, maybe. Uh, so I have I have high hopes, um, and, and other people have told me that Voyager does get better, so... I'm just guessing that they're, you know, it's just growing pains. Yeah, I mean, they're always trying to find their footing. This is still early on, but mm-hmm. I don't know. They should have done a little more thought into what types of episodes they're going to do. Right, right. Because this does kind of have that feeling of episodes that are shot ahead of time and then they're aired out of sequence Mm -hmm. kind of like we've seen with others like firefly is a great example of that where uh they kind of had the whole thing done and then they just aired it out of sequence yeah Uh, i mean it it didn't make as much sense it wasn't as good of a series um when shown out of order uh yeah i mean this episode was so standalone Mm -hmm. that it could have just aired at any time pretty much Mm mm-hmm they could have come across that. And I, I guess that is that is something. We're not yet seeing any sort of overarching story. Mm-hmm. There's no plot thread other than they're trying to get back. But they didn't even... This has been basically two episodes now where they haven't even talked about getting back to Alpha Quadrant. Right. Um, getting home. Uh, I mean, there was that little nod to that in what... 
uh, Paris and Kim were talking about at the beginning, where, you know, well, it's going to take forever, so we've got to do something. Uh, so we better go on a date, you know, we're the last humans, and we're the only humans in this quadrant kind of thing. But they definitely haven't focused on, uh, you know, it's kind of like when I see um, that that idea that Battlestar Galactica was Ron Moore's attempt to do Voyager the way he wanted to do Voyager, mm-hmm. which was kind of the much more serious, uh, like, long interconnected plot kind of thing. And I can definitely see that, where, you know, if this had been, say, Battlestar Galactica, the the uh, way it was handled so far would be different. I think this also the show was written in response to Deep Space Nine, because mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine, a common complaint among the execs was that it's too uh, serialized and people mm. can't just jump on board on any episode. Yeah, that's a good point. So maybe this one, they're like, oh, we'll just make it, you know, really episodic so people can Easy just to pick up. watch whenever. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, too, Next Generation, definitely the original series, they were really easy to just jump on board with. Mm-hmm. Um, even though there were... I would I would argue that if you just jump on board with Next Generation, you miss out on, you know, the character development and things like that. But you can kind of just sit down and and uh, enjoy an episode. You, do, you don't have to have known what's going on. You didn't have to see the previous episode. Uh, with a few exceptions, but you're right with DS nine from, from what little I've seen, uh, you, there are definitely parts of that show where you can't just come in and know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, and also, uh, I, early on, they wanted Voyager to focus on the fight between the two crews, the Maquis Mm -hmm. and the Federation. And there's none of that here, which is fine because it didn't really fit in with this episode, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I felt like maybe some sort of mention, of, I don't know. Maybe that would just make <laughs> just things more complicated. Like, oh, the Maki can say, you know, we want to get home. You know, we can't just hang around. The captain and and Paris are gone. They're they're just. It's not worth trying to save them. Let's just get back. <laughs> and then I made a note that at the end of the of the episode, uh, when they're heading, when they're continuing on course and bypassing this this planet where all this stuff just happened, uh, she says something like. You know, all ahead, warp six. And I was thinking, wait, I thought you guys were heading back to Earth at maximum warp. Like, what's going <laughs> on? Like, oh, you know, let's go all ahead, full impulse power back to Earth. <laughs> you know, it's almost like, ah, oh, we realize we're probably never going to get back. So we don't want to burn through all our dilithium. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, guessing that's why. They're plus, not going you know, warp nine the entire way back. They they said before they had to do maintenance. And, you know, mm. Voyager needs, still needs maintenance. So... <laughs> Can't go maximum warp all the time. This brand new ship <laughs> it's, needs its maintenance. It's a, yeah. Anyways, um, yeah. So, what's your overall feel on time and again? Well, like I said, I would say if you put this up against the other uh, two out of three episodes so far, being time travel uh, somehow based, and you put the two time travel ish episodes up against each other, I would definitely prefer this. Uh, again, I would say that this is eh, kind of like a throwaway PNG episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it, you are right in that it was a better throwaway episode than Parallax. Right. Right. Parallax was just kind of like, whoa, you know, uh, all right, Space Anomaly, uh, we dealt with the Space Anomaly. <laughs> <laughs> this, at least, there was a little bit of, 
you know, what's going on here. There's a little bit of mystery. Um, and then it ended up being that sort of swerve at the end. Oh, we caused this to happen sort of thing. I think that part was interesting. I hate that they rebooted. Uh, I feel like there are no consequences for this episode. So why right. why did we even watch this episode if there are no consequences? Right, and with with shows like this, and at least during this era, you you know you definitely had. Um, again, I hate to keep bringing up Battlestar Galactica, but you know there were things that happened on that series, and people die, and there are consequences to what happens every single episode. Whereas you know Star Trek, at least during this. Uh, you know, this universe of Star Trek, not the current, you know, J.J. Abrams one. Um, it was very much a very safe and, and friendly show where you knew, um, well, with the exception of Tasha and some other characters, you knew that, you know, no one's going to die. No, and yeah, things I, are going to be okay at the end of every episode. When I, when I say no consequences, I don't necessarily mean, like, someone's going to die. Right, or, like, long-lasting consequences. Just some sort of long-lasting ramifications, or even... Uh, like I said, the character bonding mm-hmm. was all just erased. It <laughs> just got reset. So, yeah, I do not care for that sort of thing, where basically it, it feels like, well, why did we even watch this? Yeah. Because it, it never happened, basically. Yeah, the entire episode basically never happened. Right. As yeah, far, that's as, a pet peeve of mine, definitely. As far as the characters are concerned, it certainly never happened. The right. only one who kind of remembers is Kess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we got a little bit as the viewer, but... I mean, I'm just waiting for some more meaty sort of TNG-style character development. And, uh, yeah. So this would, I don't know. This is definitely, for me, on a 10-point scale, probably, like, in the middle, like, five. Yeah, it's a very mediocre episode. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I again, I have to give it the benefit of the doubt. It's the first season. Yeah. Um, We're only four episodes in. See, yeah. I got it right that time. Four episodes. <laughs> Uh, and there are only 16 episodes in this season. So. Oh, wow. I didn't even realize that. That's short for a Star Trek uh, series. Yeah. Yeah. They're usually much longer. Huh. Okay. Well, on, on to season two. <laughs> so we're one fourth down. All right. Um, yeah. So next week we'll discuss episode five or episode four on Netflix. <laughs> uh, if you want to watch it in advance and and talk about it along with us, uh, episode is called Phage. Oh, hey, I remember this one a little bit. I remember the title at least. I gotta say, I I did watch a lot of Voyager. Almost, I think I watched the entire series. Mm. And I did not remember Parallax or Time and Again at all. When Do you I, remember Phage? Uh, I don't remember Phage. I don't think. Okay. Maybe if I saw like a trailer for it, I would say, "Oh yeah, I kind of remember this." Uh oh, I'm uh, I'm spoiling myself a little. Looks like Neelix episode. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> I can't even. Oh, you know, I was going to point out that Neelix basically did nothing comedic in this episode. Um, it was all down to the Doctor. And then I started realizing, wait, you, Doctor and Neelix, you basically have two characters that are basically exist for comic relief. Neelix actually did nothing except doubt Kess in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Janeway was like, what do you know about these people? And he's like, nothing. I don't know anything about them. 
Right. And you start to think, uh, Neelix, uh, do you really know anything about the Delta Quadrant? Or are you just trying to get a free ride and free meal and free, oh, luxurious bubble bath? <laughs> water. Endless amounts of water. Right. Right. So next time we'll watch Phage. Yep. Um, looking forward to that. Um, yeah, I think that's the show. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll yeah. talk to you next week. All right. See you there. 